0: Welcome to Southern Steep, the public health and social justice podcast brought to you by NASDAQ, a nonprofit, nonpartisan association mission to end the intersecting epidemics of HIV, viral hepatitis and related conditions. Much like brewing stronger tea, this platform aims to brew a stronger
1: community by centering community leaders voices and their innovative work in the southern
0: United States.
1: Thank you all for joining. I am Torian Baskerville, and I would like to welcome you all to Southern Steep Podcast. For this special episode, I am super excited for what we're going to be presenting to you all today. This is a special episode um, for a couple of reasons. So, one, I have not hosted um, an episode since season one. I guess I actually missed doing this um, this season. Um, also, it's special because I am currently in Los Angeles at the National African-American MSM or Men Who Have Sex with Men Leadership Conference on Health Disparities and Social Justice. And this is a conference that's annual that is organized by um, NASM. Incorporated, which is a CBO or community-based organization located in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, Later on, I will have uh, the opportunity to talk with the executive director to really discuss more in-depth this conference. And um, right now, though, I have with me some amazing individuals throughout the country who are attending this uh, conference, and I am interested and looking forward to hearing Um, all that they have to say about their experience here at the conference. So first, I want to welcome to the podcast, Malcolm Reed. Hey, Malcolm. Hey, how you doing, Toria? I am doing well. I am doing well. Um, It's good to see you. You know, Malcolm and I go way back like four flats on a Cadillac, (laughs) you know, back to my days of living um, in Atlanta, um, but Malcolm, just, uh, first of all, how are you? I'm good. I'm You're- good. I'm still a little jet
2: lag, which is really amazing <laughs> since I've been here since Wednesday, but you know, I- I'll get on Los Angeles time as soon as I get back to Atlanta. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Isn't that always how it goes? <laughs> it's like the last day. And when you get back home, it's like, oh, okay. And now I feel better. Right. Um, now you get on East coast, West coast time. And right. it's like, oh shoot. I have <laughs> to get back on East coast time now. Exactly. Um, Yeah, definitely. So yeah, so talk to me about number one, um, who are you? Who is Malcolm? I know who you are, but for the listeners, who are you? And um, what organization are you affiliated with? And a little bit about the work that you do.
2: Okay. So I'm Malcolm Reed. I am... My position right now is the Director of Programs at Thrive SS. Thrive stands for Transforming HIV Resentments into Victories Everlasting. The SS stands for Support Services. Um, I... I came to that position because um, I created a program for black gay men living with HIV over the age of 50 called the Silver Lining Project. Um, When I joined Thrive, one of the things I said to our executive director, Larry Walker, was I don't see anything out there for for me, for guys my age. Every time I went to a CBO or an ASO, I only saw young people and it didn't seem like they were doing anything for those of us who were who are living, thriving with HIV and getting up there in age. And so we created the Silver Lining Project. And uh, we actually presented um, an abstract on the Silver Lining Project or workshop on the Silver Lining Project here. And that went over very well. So that program is doing very well. And then as Thrive grew, um, Dwayne and Larry said, I wanted they wanted to use my um, talents as in programming because I worked for AT&T for 18 and a half years. So... Um, took that, those talents from corporate America, retired from AT&T, and um, working harder in retirement now than <laughs> than I anticipated, but I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it.
1: That's good. You know, I we love Thrive SS. Um, I would love for us to bring um, Larry on the podcast, and I'm sure we will. The, the work that you all do down there through Thrive SS is amazing. Um, and, you know, it's... It's always beautiful to see the growth of an organization where you see what kind of first started and it mm-hmm. was kind of getting its feet under it. And then mm-hmm. now it's like running and, you know, and, and it's just a, such a beautiful thing. And I mean, the fact that it is a black led organization, a black queer led organization, exactly, um, a black queer led organization where many um, who are people living with HIV and have that experience that lived experience is really really powerful um, and I I just love I love y'all and you know that I love y'all yeah. um, but can you talk to us a little bit about the silver lining project and, and a little bit more about um, you told us about where your priority population is but really about what what's the work involved with okay. the silver Lining?
2: so the work, when I, when I decided that I wanted to do something for my peer group, my peer age group, I came from it from privilege. Mm. To me, I, I was privileged because my husband and I have been together for 25 years. We got married in, in 2015 when it was legal, but we're coming up on 25 years. Thanks. And I knew that there were a lot of black gay men my age who were alone. And um, I have a thing where I say, you know, you're no longer the you you think you're no longer the cute guy at the end of the bar, right? <laughs> and so you're living your life in silence, and you may be in care, you may be taking your medication, you may yeah. be taking that pill every day, but thriving with HIV is much more than taking a pill. And loneliness and isolation will kill you faster than HIV will. So I wanted to do something to bring guys out to be able to make sure that guys had some. Some brotherhood, some camaraderie that they could depend on, and so we created the program. And um, the first thing we did was the first thing I did was you know I got with some other guys in in the Thrive organization, Claude Bowen and Nathan Townsend, and we wrote a curriculum that we have we now call Silver Skills. And the Silver Skills curriculum starts out with HIV and aging, and we want. The guys to talk about and, and to get experience and understand what is hiv what is long-term hiv doing to your body what are the comorbidities what is long-term uh, uh, use of art's doing to your body mm-hmm. what is all of that what is happening with you um and we try to make sure that we center each individual in the class because how you feel about long-term hiv is not the same way I might feel about it. Right. And so we talked to them through all of that. We follow that up with a webinar called HIV 101, where we do train them. If this is exactly all the things that's happening to you.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, the next one is PTSD and trauma mm. because people think PTSD is military. Yeah. But as a black boy growing up in the projects, realizing that I was gay, Yeah. you know, there was some, there was some trauma there.
1: Yeah.
2: Then later on in life, realizing that I was living with HIV, yeah. there's some more trauma. Yeah. And so how did you handle all that trauma? Yeah. Um, and and what are some tools? And that gets very, very um, and I hate to say this but the word deep, <laughs> but it gets it gets real deep and, and sometimes it's yeah. triggered. We just uh, the grant was just renewed for the next three years, and and one of the main things that we really want to focus on um, in this three year period is the policy aspect. Um, we are looking for a, a person who can come in and fill a position of a policy and advocacy manager for Silver Lining Project. And the main goal of that is to conduct a needs assessment throughout the state of Georgia, looking in the rural areas and, and throughout the state for, you know, Black gay men living with HIV over the age of 50. You know, who are out there in the rural areas where... Medicaid expansion has caused hospitals to close and they have to drive seven miles to the doctor and then do some voter education. Um, I am I am not a fan of voter registration. You know, we we we, we always say, well, we got to get people registered to vote, but we don't tell them what to do when they get in the voting booth. We don't tell them anything. You know, this last year with Raphael Warnock and Don Ossoff, there were so many people that were first-time voters.
1: Yeah.
2: And, you know, they got into the voting booth and they know... They know those. Two, they knew those two names.
1: Yeah,
2: but they didn't know anything else. Right. And you know the people who impact your life—the judges. Yeah. The sheriff. Yeah. You know, you get in there and it's like I, I don't even know who this person is. I don't know right. anything about them. So we want to we want to make sure that we're educating um, the public about those those issues, especially when it deals with HIV, but not just HIV. Just you know, overall voting rights, human rights, yeah. civil rights, everything. Yeah.
1: That's I mean, that's so good. And I love your distinction between voter registration and voter education, um, because I think in in even in this more basic sense, right, that just because I register you doesn't mean you're going to actually vote. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, exactly. you know, that education piece is important to, to talk about one. Why is it important to vote And that? I'm not just registering you to vote to have somebody registered, but also to empower you to go into the Mm -hmm. move and also know what you're going into, what you're going to see and how to do that properly. Right. Um, I think that that's that's super dope and it's so needed and necessary. And so I I appreciate that. Um, Let's shift a little bit about and talk about the conference a little bit. Okay. So um, talk to me about your experience. How did you like it?
2: This is my second nation conference. The first one was in Atlanta. I think it was right before the pandemic in 2020, Mm -hmm. um, in January. Um, And I really enjoy it. I always learn, you know, a lot. I came here with data in my brain. Mm -hmm. Um, Because as Thrive grows, we have gone from taking things down on spreadsheets. And now we have a client management system. And and I'm I'm implementing that. And I'm telling my team, you know, we got to figure out what's the best way to get the data from our members, what's yeah. the best way to access it, what's the best way to to what what's the best way to use it yeah. to figure out new programs. So I was really, really happy to attend a couple of data workshops that went on syndemics and, and intersectionality. Um, um, Alfred Forbes um, workshop. I learned a lot in yeah. both of those. And so, you know, we already have an evaluator on board at Thrive. So mm-hmm. working with her uh, make sure that you know, as we implement these programs, that we're, we're tracking them properly, getting the data that we need, systems are in place, and you know, getting all of that work done. So this has been really great for me. And then, you know, um, Joe, uh, Joe Robinson, and um, DC Branch, who are the silver line coordinators, they presented the silver lining, and that, that went very well as well. So nice.
1: That's that's great. Um... Wonderful. So what would you say is a highlight of yours? What is something during this conference that really stood out to you um, and that you really is like, I'm taking this with me?
2: Shout out to Alvin and Doug, because with everything that has been going on, yeah, they had to pivot and then pivot, yeah. and then repivot. Yeah, because people couldn't show up. You know, yeah. all of a sudden, travel restrictions were yeah. in place at the last minute. You know, there were people who were literally on their way to the airport, and yeah. their company and their organizations told them, "No, you can't travel."
1: Right.
2: Um, and so, with all of that, yeah. they really did an amazing job of, you know, hey, it is what it is. We're going to move forward. The conference is going to go. So that's that's one thing. Two things. Shout out to Impulse Group. Mm -hmm. They are always, you know, creative, you know. (laughs) Rig always makes sure that, you know, hey, we're going to be in the forefront of doing doing these things that are going to make you, you know, I like how they say, we're going to make you a little uncomfortable. Right. You know, we're going to make you think about what it is you're doing and and why you're doing and and the workshops that they did and the, the stuff that they did in the exhibit hall was fantastic. And I'm coming back on why aren't we doing that? That's, you know,
1: <laughs>
2: wait a minute. Let's rethink something. You know, right, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so and, both of and those I think
1: for you it's, you know, y'all are in Atlanta, so y'all have access to Riggs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Always. You know, yeah. he's, 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 he's always been one of my favorite people, Yeah. you know, and every time, everything that Impulse does, you know, I try to be there and, and, um, you know, they, they just do an amazing job.
1: Yeah. He's such a very bold and very brilliant mind. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's, it's so, it's so enjoyable to watch that, that, you know, I think for me, that was one of my highlights is, um, the impulse experience, Mm -hmm. right. And their parties are very, um, it's an experience, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just very, so sex positive and it's so engaging yet informative at the same time, you know, I, you know, (laughs) The fact that they're giving out cum rags, right? Right, like, right. That actually have cum rag written on it, right? Oh, really, right? exactly. And so it's just like, um, it's, it's yeah, it's great. I love it. Um, so, yeah, I, Malcolm, thank you. I appreciate hey, you uh, taking our time. I know this is the last day of the conference. Um, and so people are traveling. And so I appreciate you taking out the time to come talk with me.
2: Yeah, I ended up staying an extra day because of the snow And as I look at my phone, it turns out to be not so much. And I could have been home, but oh well. Better, better, <laughs> better things than sorry. sorry. Exactly. Better exactly. Exactly. Sorry. exactly.
1: All right. Thank you, malcolm All I right. appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So next, um, I am excited to introduce the executive director of NASM, um, Alvin Kwame. Um And yeah, so thank you for taking the time. I know this is very busy um, as organizing this. And so, um, yeah, thanks for joining me. Sure. Glad to do it. How are you? How are you feeling? It's the last day. How, how are you?
0: Well, a little tired, of course. <laughs> it's it's always a marathon, yes. <laughs> not a sprint, and so I'm a little bit weary, but I'm happy.
1: Good, good. Um, and talk to us a little bit about NASM. What is where's what is NASEM and about the work that you are doing?
0: Sure. So NASM has been around for over thirty years, and we are a Black gay men's organization. We were founded to address the HIV prevention needs of Black, gay, and bisexual men all those years ago. And of course, what we've discovered is that addressing the HIV prevention needs of Black, gay, and bisexual men means addressing a lot more than that. So yeah. uh, so now we provide housing services and mental health and substance abuse services. We have a drop-in center that uh, provides recreation, but also computer lab and classes and, um, and uh, facilities for washing clothes and for taking showers, all of that good stuff. Uh, we provide navigation services, health navigation services. And of course, we still continue to do uh, prevention, HIV testing and linkage to care and STI testing and linkage to care. Yeah, all that good stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I am an alumna of Nathan.
0: Oh, okay. yeah,
1: I, excellent. I'm very familiar with the work that you all are doing down there. And I was saying earlier to a couple of the staff there, I was like, "You know, I don't envy you all <laughs> um because I understand what it takes, mm-hmm. right, to help run this conference, right? Um, and so, can you talk to us a little bit about? Um, what were some of your expectations? What was some of the planning process for you when you thought about this year's conference and giving the pandemic, right? And still deciding to move forward with it being in person. Um, so can you talk to us about that process for you? and What kind of was some of your expectations dealing with that?
0: Yeah. So, you know, conferences are always difficult by their nature. Yeah. Uh, you're planning for something many times that's not happening where you are. And so, logistically, yeah. there are some challenges, and you want the content to be strong. Yeah. But uh, in curated conferences like ours, uh, you're not producing the con- the content, right? right? So, we're asking the community, <laughs> you know, give us content right. uh, in these categories, right. and you're hoping that folks will step up. They're as interested. Uh, as you are, and that folks step up and provide engaging content. And even as you, uh, you know, curate uh, what you bring to the conference, you don't actually know how people are going to deliver it, right? So, you know, it can be a little (laughs) nerve-wracking as you make decisions sort of sight unseen. Uh, And then this year was particularly challenging because of COVID. Yes and challenging in the sense that uh doing the footwork and and all of the behind the scenes work was harder <laughs> supply chains are stretched yeah uh, we couldn't go uh as much as we like to go and look at things you know we we ourselves were trying to minimize travel as well so uh so and we didn't know what would happen at the last minute and of course, lo and behold, <laughs> Omicron happened at the last minute. So no, it's been it's been a harrowing process. Uh, I will say that uh, I'm pleased with uh, well, not pleased. <laughs> I'm not completely unhappy yeah. <laughs> about the turnout that we did have. Yeah. Uh, about 150 folks all told, uh, and and but I am saddened about, is, uh, but I understand, is that almost all of our major uh, supporters, funders and supporters, cut their travel uh, Mm -hmm. at the last minute, literally two days before (laughs) the start of, literally two days (laughs) before the start of the conference, and that created some challenges for us in terms of content as well, because we lost uh, quite a bit of content, and we lost I mean, people who actually, their registrations were still with us, right. but their bodies were not. <laughs> and, and so it's been a much smaller conference than uh, I anticipated. But the energy yeah. was absolutely here. Yeah. And, uh, and it felt good for us to come together. And I think that those who couldn't come because the company said no travel. They really missed something special.
1: You know, I I agree with you. Um, again, having organized the conference before and and um worked it at a place where it was like a lot of people here and a lot of stuff going on and a bunch of stuff moving parts and you know to see that and then see what happened this year. Um, number one, I was I was envious in that way. I'm like, y'all have a smaller crowds to, to kind of heard um, as yes. you said you know um but i think at the same time the content um not just of the presentations but also of the energy that you spoke about right that it it still felt like the NASM conference mm-hmm. right it still felt like we came together for a purpose um that was just beyond the the conference piece, right? But, you know, just being able to come and have a good time and see people that you haven't seen in years, yes. right? And especially um, having been able to see thanks to COVID, right? And so, you know, I think the spirit of Nisum that often um, resides in this space was definitely present this yeah. year, despite, you know, small but yet mighty, right? Yes. And so, yeah.
0: And, and I would say it's not really the spirit of Nason. Mm. It's the spirit of us, Black gay and bisexual Absolutely. men. And yeah. so, you know, it's <laughs> there's this thing called a twiddlebug party. Do you know what that is? I do not. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I don't know if it's Sesame Street, or I think it's Sesame Street. It could be the Electric Company. Uh, <laughs> one of those childhood shows. And uh, twiddlebugs are these creatures that kind of like walk along and they go twiddle, twiddlebug. Tiddle, little bug little little bug <laughs> Well, whenever three or more twiddle bugs come together, uh-huh. it becomes a twiddle bug party and jelly beans rain from the sky. Well, black gay and bisexual men are kind of like twiddlebugs, right? If you get a certain mass of us together, jelly beans are going to spiritually and emotionally rain from the sky. And so, yes, the fact that we can convene us yeah. makes it an absolutely special conference every single year.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I yes, I agree. I love these spaces. Um, And so let's also talk about one of the programming that is traditionally a part of NASEM, but it hasn't been for quite some time. Um, And I believe it's kind of just regenerating itself and coming back. um, The Crib Fellowship. Yes. I want to talk to us a little bit about the history of the Crib Fellowship and why you felt it important to kind of begin to restart that.
0: Yeah, uh, I will talk as an outsider mm-hmm. because I I wasn't around uh, at its beginnings, and I've only been with Mason for three years now, and this is my first Crib Fellowship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, I think uh, the last class was in 2017, I believe, and so they would have graduated in 2018. But uh, from the outside, I've always admired the Crib Fellowship. Yeah. It is a fellowship designed to bring together young, black, gay, bisexual men uh, under the age of 30 to engage in a year of learning together and bonding together. And typically, uh, what folks are learning is about leadership, sort of the skills of leadership and the theory of leadership. And... Uh, specifically in leadership in the context of Black and bisexual men. And then they're called upon to undertake a project. And it's a, I I consider it a service learning project. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what it also does is it further binds them together, right? And, uh, And it brings to life what, might have been intangible <laughs> concepts yeah. uh, prior to that. So it's, it's sort of a capstone experience. And I have just, from the outside, for years, uh, marveled at that program. And then have watched graduates of that program go on to do spectacular things. Yeah. And you know, I don't know if it's in the choosing or in the fellowship process itself, but certainly fellows uh, who have graduated from the program all credit the program with giving them something invaluable. Yeah. And I've also watched the relationships that formed in those cohorts persist, you know, last many, many years yeah. later, uh, both as friendships and as professional relationships. And so uh, that it went away, was a real blow to me, (laughs) even though clearly I'm too old (laughs) to be a CRIB fellow. But it was like, oh, no, they're not doing that anymore. And so the first thing I said when I got to Nason was, we're going to revive the CRIB Now I mean, take me a minute, (laughs) because I didn't have two coins to look together. (laughs) But but, uh, I think it's very important, that program. And so I'm excited, delighted that our first cohort... Of the new Crib Fellowship, yeah, uh, is, is is beginning this year.
1: Yeah, you know, I had I had the opportunity to, um, and how how many individuals um, are participating in this fellowship this year?
0: Yes, an astounding thirteen. <laughs> we 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 were shooting for ten, which is extremely ambitious in itself, right? And we got such strong applications mm-hmm. that we just could not. Oh, below
1: 13. Yeah. You know, I, I had the opportunity to um have some conversations with a couple of the fellows. Um and something that struck me that was consistent through the individuals that I did speak with um was a lot of them had passion, right? And and they really, really had this zeal for wanting to do. This work, yes, right, in in a very different way than they may have seen it being done before or have experienced it being done, yes. right. And so, you know, I am, you know, it I, I got a little bit of pride, although I'm not an alum of the Crib Fellowship. Um, a lot of my good friends are, and so to see kind of that, and to your point, right, that like some of the alum. From of the past have gone on to do some really really great things, yes. right? Um, and so it, it warmed my heart to know that the group of of young men that was pulled together um, that I happened to be able to interact with, um, you know came across to me like they have that potential to continue that on, right? That the alum from the fellowship will will go on and, and continue to do um, some really amazing things in this work.
0: So, I expect that. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, and so, you know, now let's shift a little bit. So what would you say, and I know it could be tough, right? Because as the ED, your brain really isn't always on enjoying the conference.
0: Right?
1: <laughs> it's more of like, okay, I have to, you know, shake hands. I have to see people. I have to socialize. I have to burn, you know, put out fires. I have to make sure everything runs out smooth. But talk to us about what, what was a highlight of yours? What, what was something that made you feel good and made you like, oh, okay,
0: this is good. Uh oh, that's a that's a great question. There there are so many. Well, <laughs> three or four of them. <laughs> uh, do you want one answer or do you Listen, want a, a few answers?
1: You can answer however you like to.
0: So uh, so I cried during the crib presentations, mm. and what I was crying about was the impact that I. I'm predicting Mm. that this experience will have on their lives, and that I had some part to play in that. It it was deeply moving to think you're actually contributing to this, Alvin. You know, you you the thing that you had looked at from the outside and thought was so tremendous. You are now perpetuating, are continuing it. And that was very moving. That was a high point. Uh, it was a high point for me as well to be able to talk about my vision for, and really my commitment for the things that Nasim will tackle mm. and to invite others to join with us in tackling those things. And those things are uh a, a extravagantly more comprehensive view of HIV prevention that looks at meeting the whole needs of whole people. Uh, starting with my folks, black gay and bisexual men, but I don't need it to be, don't want it to be limited to us. Uh, this needs to be a societal commitment to meeting the whole needs of whole people because they're people. Right. <laughs> and that's what we ought to do. So, there's that, there's preparing pipelines for Black and bisexual men to be at the front of the economy, whatever that ends up being. I think it will be a green economy, uh, but whatever it is, it will not be the old economy. Uh, because we really don't even have an old economy anymore, <laughs> right? All the things we think of traditionally as the American economy is gone, yeah. is outsourced to other places. Yeah. So we already have an untraditional economy right. compared to what I learned as an economic student, <laughs> undergraduate. Yeah. Uh, so, so preparing us and pipelining us. So yeah. it's not just preparation. It is, you know... Uh, the Jewish community is overrepresented, to their credit, in certain industries. Mm-hmm. I want us to be overrepresented in the new economy, the new industries that come with the new economy. And, and there's work to be done yeah. to make that happen. And then the third thing is, give us an HIV vaccine mm. in a year, mm. period. Okay, there are blah, 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 <laughs> scientific obstacles, solve them. Right, there were scientific obstacles to COVID 19, including the fact that you hadn't seen it before. You've been looking at this one for 30 something years, <laughs> you know, and I don't say 40 only because it took a while perhaps right. for you to even pay attention. But once you started paying attention, you've been looking at it, yeah, right? Get it done,
1: yeah, you know. I, you, uh, so I appreciate all three of your answers, right? Um, I think. You know when we talk about um, how ambitious, right? Those the latter two are, yes, right. And I love that grand, big idea thought process, right? Because I think you know, oftentimes we we can reduce our thought process to something more um smaller or obtainable or you know palatable to individuals um because of what we see around us right and i think um it's always the big idea no matter, no matter how difficult it may get to how may it may be to get there but it's the big idea that really fuels us to continue to push forward yes um to make the change happen and make that thing happen um to your latter point it's interesting i had this conversation with um a couple of friends of mine and I was like, you know, we were talking about HIV and COVID. And I was like, listen, if we were able to come up with a vaccine for COVID within a year, then that means we have the capabilities and the capacity to do that also for everything else. The issue is our prioritization of the things. Yes. Right. And so to that, to your point, there there's gonna to have to be a Reprioritization of HIV um, in a way that really um, forces entities to really, really buckle down and say, we need to do this because it is a priority um, to us, not just uh, nationally, but go- globally, right? It, I believe that it was the global effect that COVID had yes. that made it such a priority. That we need to do this, and I think we have yet to do that in a real, tangible way globally, um, as it relates to HIV.
0: Right, but it's but it's a relatively small ask. Mm. See, that's that's the thing that gets lost. And there are there are not just lives at stake. That that is what is most important to me. Yeah, and I hope and suspect to you, but it's not what's most important to everyone. Right. But there are also dollars and cents to be, you know, gains to be reaped by having an HIV vaccine. And there are scientific Mm -hmm. effects. So we learned a lot in this ramped up. Now, a lot of it was built on HIV vaccine research as well. But we have learned a lot about vaccines Mm -hmm. as a result of the concerted effort that was put into COVID-19. We can learn a lot for the future by addressing HIV. We can save a lot of money. And oh, by the way, there are lives. (laughs) 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 That's not the priority, the the order of priority that I would give it. But as I talk to you people out there who have the power, just know you can do some science. You can save a lot of money. And oh, by the way, you can... (laughs) Save some lives lives along the way. (laughs) It's not a big ass. No,
1: I, you know, I I agree. I agree with you. Um,
0: And let me just say, and it costs a lot less than even a smidgen of how we defend ourselves. So let's defend ourselves against the virus in addition to defending ourselves against other nations.
1: Yeah, so what are your hopes for next year's conference?
0: Yeah, so uh, more of the same, bigger. Mm. I want 500 black, gay, and bisexual men. See, I remember the days <laughs> when we would take over the hotel. Mm-hmm. There'd be nobody but us because the room yeah. block was the whole hotel. The whole hotel. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you'd come into a, a huge ballroom and it's packed with us. Yes. So that's one hope. Another hope is that COVID-19 yeah. has been controlled. I mean, maybe it's not gone, <laughs> but you know, we, we don't have to worry about right. it. Uh, this has been a nerve-wracking conference in that way for me because I don't want anyone hurt, yeah, uh, harmed by this. And, yeah. and so we've stayed on people yes. <laughs> about safety, safety, yes. safety. Yes. Uh, so I want that to be different. But then other than those things... I want it to be the same because, you know, like we said, we 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 get a twiddlebug party, and it, you know that's what we want.
1: And then jelly beans from the
0: sky. And jelly beans are falling from heaven. <laughs> <laughs> it's really something to see as well. If 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 you it, you should YouTube it for twiddlebug parties, so I, that you know. You can I, see I... It. <laughs>
1: When we're done here, that is the first thing that I'm gonna do. <laughs> so I will be make I will make sure to follow up with you and talk about the Twiddle box yes. <laughs> and the reign of jelly beans. Yes. Um in this on, on this podcast, we always ask everyone who um, shows up two questions. The first question is, what do you love about the south?
0: Oh. What do I love about the south? I love, there is a beat, there's a particular rhythm mm. beat that the South has. And it, it I was pretty good and grown before I made my first visit to the South. I had to be maybe in my mid to late 30s mm. uh, before I went to the South. And I went to Jacksonville. Don't like Jacksonville. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Jacksonville. <laughs> I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm a little too honest sometimes. (laughs) But I went to this party or this nightclub or something. And it was a different, they were the music was different. Yeah. And the way people were dancing was different.
1: Yeah.
0: And it was it was it was a beat. It was a southern beat. But then apart from that, because I'm not a big partier, Mm -hmm. then I felt like that's the beat of the South, Mm -hmm. though. So even when the music is off. You know what I mean? It's got a beat, Stilarism. right? And it's a it, and it's its own particular rhythm. Yeah, yeah. and I like it. Yeah. Uh, I like it a lot. It speaks to so my mother's family is from Alabama.
1: Okay,
0: and so I kept feeling like okay, you know why I'm into this beat is because you got southern roots out, <laughs> and the southern beat is speaking to your southern yeah, right. roots. So yeah, I, I do. I, the, I do like the that beat.
1: That beat is calling you back home.
0: It has <laughs> called me back. It has called me back home. And of course, now I've been to Besma, Alabama, which I had never been to before. <laughs> because it's so close. Yeah. So yes.
1: Yeah, good. Okay. Um, and the second question is: what do you hope for the South? Right? There's so much that happens in the South. There's a lot of people like to focus on the deficiency of the South, right? Mm -hmm. And the challenges um, of the South. But, you know, can you speak about what your hope is for the South?
0: Yeah, I hope that... And so I'll answer for Southern folk. Mm -hmm. I mean, my hope for Southern folk, not so much for the South. They may be the same thing, but I'm thinking of it in terms of people. Mm -hmm. Um, My hope is that we... Learn how to. The, to me, the South upholds tradition, mm. is a repository of tradition. And tradition is very important uh, to me, and I think to us, to our culture. But I hope that we can learn how to interrogate our traditions and preserve them when they sustain us and modify them. When they don't, so that they serve us. I don't want us to serve tradition. Mm. I want tradition to serve us. It's the same way I feel about. uh, I spend a lot of time. Spent a lot of time in Nigeria and visiting, and that's a very traditional society to the point of choking. (laughs) And what I often would say to my friends is liberate yourself enough from the tradition. Not completely. Tradition is beautiful. Yes. It's there for a reason. But don't let it choke the life out of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's what I want for all of yeah. us as black people, and, and particularly in the South, which is more traditional than other parts of the country. Uh, and that's important. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we need that. Uh, you know, But let's not let it choke us. Let's, let's let it serve us. <laughs>
1: Well, well, Dr. Alvin, I um, I appreciate you. I've, I've appreciated getting to know you um, and talking with you in this moment and about your vision for um, NASM as a whole and, and what you see the future um, of that and also for the South and of us as a people. Um, I've definitely enjoyed this. Thank you so very much for taking time out. Of your such busy schedule.
0: Well, my, my pleasure and thank you for this work that you're doing. It's very important. And I want you to know that you are appreciated by me and by others. I, and, I uh, appreciate that. I receive that. Yeah. And don't stop, <laughs> but expand. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Noted. Um, and then also I'll say this. So I um, got to... Um, One of my mentors, uh, Alex Williams, is here. And that was a very big surprise when I saw him here. Um, But I got a little bit of history that you have been clearly doing this work for a very long time because you were in a picture with Alex that was like over 20 years ago. And I was just like... Even when you don't, you know, and I've been doing this work since uh, 2011, I started this work. And so even with my 10 year history of this work, we don't always know the history, right? And the giants of this work and of our community that has um, laid the foundation um, for guys like myself, Um, to exist and to thrive and to help push this along and continue Mm -hmm. and and carry the baton. And so um, I wanted to take this opportunity as it just hit me and reminded me of it, that, you know, from my generation, as, um, as uh, Gerald said in the breakfast session this morning, right, we have the, the generation um, before us and then there's a generation coming up but there is a bridge mm-hmm. generation yes. that's in the middle um, I am one of those individuals who are in the middle that understand the work and 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 what it took for the older uh, generation but also understanding what it can take and what you know the younger generation kind of needs to understand and, and understanding both and so as one of those individuals I I want to say that we appreciate you and the giant that you are in this work and this you you are a part of the shoulders that we stand on that allows us to continue on in this work and so there will be a day where you will be able to retire from this work (laughs) and enjoy the fruits of thy labor yes god um, knowing (laughs) that the work is um in safe good hands Um, and so pouring that those flowers to you um as a giant in in this community for us
0: Thank you, thank you so much.
1: Thank you for listening to Southern Steep. I am Torian Baskerville, and until next time.